Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Good morning. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint. Joining me in studio is our very own Representative Teresa Wood, who represents Washington and Chittenden County at the legislature. And welcome to the studio. Thank you, Pat. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is great. Busy. Congrats on being chair. That's Thank nice. Thank you. Yes, I'm chair of the uh, House Human Services Committee yep. now. Well, let's um, let's start. I'm sure everybody that's listening knows all about you, but just in case, uh, you first have to tell me how many towns are in Washington, Chittenden, because you got a whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, not as many as some of my colleagues, oh, I though. Uh, I have Waterbury, and then I also represent Bolton, Buell's Gore, and Huntington. Nice. Buell's Gore. Now, that's a trip. It is a trip. It is a trip over the mountain. Yeah, there you go. There's not many people there, are there? There's, uh, there's about 25, 26 uh, voters there. That's great. Yeah. I love it. So can you talk a little bit about your background, your work in state government, and especially for Focusing on those with disabilities. That's great. Yes, yes. For uh, most of my career, I worked at the Department of, it's now called the Department of Disabilities, Aging, and Independent Living. Prior to that, it was called the Department of Developmental and Mental Health Services. And, yeah, I worked in supporting individuals with developmental and intellectual disabilities to be full participating members of our communities and uh, worked hard to close the Brandon Training School and to incorporate all those folks back into the communities. I spent a lot of time in Brandon. I was the commissioner of personnel at the time. You all were closing that. Yeah. So I know the trip. Yeah. Yeah, because they were, they had to be placed and found jobs and. It was, you know, what was really interesting at the time is, is that, um, uh, Folks were given a priority status. The employees were given priority status. But a lot of employees wanted to become home providers and to have a person come live with them. And we we ended up um, riffing very few people in the end because they took other jobs. Right, um, either, right. Either with our community agencies or staying home to take yeah. care of somebody. I'd be interested to know what happened to that land. And that's the state's land. I don't know if they sold it or they're using it for other purposes because that's a beautiful campus. It is a beautiful campus. Uh, it has been sold, I'm pretty sure, because oh. there's a, a development, a real estate development company, and I think there's some senior housing there as oh, well. Good. There's, oh, that's you know, good. There, yeah, I think there's a multi-use of that campus. That's great. So um, they, after you retired, Teresa, they put together uh, Teresa Wood's Citizenship Award. How wonderful is that? Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, um, that's an award that's given each year in my name to a self-advocate, which um, is what we call individuals with developmental disabilities who speak up for themselves. And, uh, yeah, it was quite a surprise. How but nice. it was it was nice to be remembered in that way. That's really good. Do you know who had, we had over here, the, Philip, the gentleman that runs the Innovative Technology Program over in Human Service, over in the Human Services Building, where they have adaptive equipment for those oh, with yeah. disabilities. Yes. Um, I had done a show over there years ago, took a video, and t- and um, I had them over, and I don't think people know it's there. It, it's They have a tryout space yeah. where you can go try out various pieces yep. of, of equipment and technology, and yeah, yeah, right on the first floor of the yeah, It's huge. It's like a little there. candy store. So, yeah. <laughs> so listen, you all out there, um, Teresa has to leave at quarter to ten, which gives me... 15 minutes of airtime. I don't think you want me to talk for 15 minutes straight <laughs> off the cuff. So you have to call. So be prepared. The number here is 244-1777. And uh, 
um, you can use it also to talk to Teresa. Um, when were you first elected to the legislature? Well, I had to look that one up, believe it or not. <laughs> that you know, long, huh? Uh, well, uh, I was appointed by then Governor Shumlin, uh, to fill an unexpired term for Rebecca Ellis. Oh, she had, she yes. had been the, uh, person. She mm-hmm. left the legislature, resigned her position there to, uh, join the Agency of Natural Resources. And right, of I remember that. Now she is, uh, she's the head of Senator Welch's, uh, Vermont office now. That's great. That's so, great. so yeah, Governor Shumlin appointed me in 2000. 16, actually. So I'm in my eighth year. That's great. Um, and do you enjoy it? Yeah, now that you're chair, that's a big deal. Uh, it is. It's a lot of responsibility, uh, setting the agenda, making sure that you're getting to the things that Vermonters want to see happen. Right. Um, and, you know, another big piece of it that I don't think people you know, recognize is the legislature is sort of a part of the check and balance system of the administration. And so we hear about things that are going on in right. on the executive side of state government. And, uh, you know, we conduct hearings and we um, sort of are the overseer uh, from the public perspective uh, of the executive branch of state government. Well, well, they keep you busy in the state house. You are also, I mean, this whole list of stuff you do here, you're ex-officio member of the Health Reform Oversight Committee. You're on the Joint Fiscal Committee, the Joint Legislative Justice Oversight Committee, and... Joint Legislative Management Committee. Um, so can we just quickly certainly talk about um, House Committee on Human uh, Services and what you're responsible for? Because that's huge. Sure, huge. yeah. Um, we're responsible for most of the agency of human services. So um, the Department for Children and Families, the Department of Disabilities, Aging, and Independent Living, and the Vermont Department of Health. So we're responsible for all the supports and services, really from, I would like to say, from uh, prenatal, you know, uh, birth to death uh, yeah. and uh, everything in between. That's really great. That must keep you very busy. There's some good people, many good people working over in human services. Do you have a lot of new uh, new legislators on your committee that need to be brought up to speed? I was lucky, Pat. Um, I only have two brand new legislators. I had eight returning members, and I have one member that was transferred from another committee. So I only have two brand new members who, uh, you know, sort of needed right. to learn the ropes. Right. But that is not the case for most of the other committees. They are... Uh, getting up to speed very quickly. As you know, um, you know, you have to learn things quickly and right. even I've been there, this is, like I said, going into my eighth year and I learn something new every single day. So. That's great. It's hard. I've, I've, um, I do lobbying work so I listen to committees and, um, it's the new people. I actually love them because they ask questions that seasoned legislators have long since forgotten. Mm-hmm. And you can see their faces go, oh, I forgot that. <laughs> you know, so it's sort of everybody wins. And kudos to the folks who got hired. So um, health care, health reform oversight committee, uh, is that still active and – do you still meet? Um, yeah, that that is a committee we pass. We've uh, healthcare reform is an ongoing process. Right. Let's just say that. Uh, and uh, do I think we have it right yet? No, I don't think we have it right uh, yet. Right. Um, and it's it's a work in progress. We have uh, my role on that committee is in particular with regard to long term care, the aspects oh, yes. that are in my committee, and uh, we are struggling now with the uh, holdup in 
uh, hospitals, people are in hospitals who really should be in a lower level of care. Uh, our residential care homes and nursing homes are struggling with staffing issues, and so they're not able to sort of step down into into rehab or um, a lesser um, lesser level of care than the hospital care. So it's it's a struggle right now. Right. Well, and and where does mental health fall in? Is that in a separate committee or in with you? It is. Separate committee. Yeah. Uh, it used to be. We used to be called the House Health and Welfare Committee, and that did include mental health. But uh, many years ago, I don't know, before my time, uh, there was a new committee, a health care committee created, and that has uh, physical health, mental health uh, services, um, including mm-hmm. Medicaid. Because I know a, a person on your committee, Ann Donnie, who yes. worked very hard for years to try to get people to say, well, mental health is a health issue. It's not separate. It's not It's not a standalone. It's just as much of um, an illness as cancer or whatever else. And, exactly. And I think that that I think that's we're there, I think, I hope. Yes. Well, you know, I, I would say that we have a recognition of that, uh, but Anne serves to remind us of those things yeah. when, when uh, you know, we forget them in certain pieces of yeah. legislation or yeah. things like that. But, yeah, yeah uh, we have an equity bill in Vermont, that, an equity law that passed some time ago, uh, essentially putting mental health at the same status as physical that's health. Great. And now we just like to refer to health care. Yeah, you know, well, that's, I'm, I'm right with you all on that because it shouldn't – It's get, it gets to be a stigma and it just shouldn't be. Anyway, I was – Teresa, you were busy. I don't, I didn't count up how many bills you sponsored. Um, I was hoping – let's see, one, two, three, four – about what, 10, 15 of them? Um, I don't know if you're, you're the lead sponsor or just signed on to these bills, but, um, could you go over, not all of them, cause you have to get to. We, we don't have time for all of them. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, but a lot of them, uh, talk about, um, uh, health and, and could you talk a little bit about the ones that are, I shouldn't sure. say most important cause I'm hoping they're all important, but ones that people would relate to. Sure, sure. Um, I'm going to talk just briefly about uh, state-owned property, which ah, is an interesting, uh, an interesting topic. And yeah. housing, as you know, we've all heard about the lack of housing in and around, um, not just Vermont, honestly. It's it's a nationwide uh, issue, and uh, it definitely relates to workforce issues. Yeah, uh, and being able to have people move to Vermont, be able to find housing that. Uh, it, it's comfortable right. and affordable for them. Right. And so um, I am the lead sponsor on a bill that would uh, enable the Department of Buildings and General Services to uh, dispose of the former site of the Stanley and Wasson Hall mm-hmm. um, down on the uh, Waterbury State Office Complex site uh, to potentially use for housing uh, and uh, to give Waterbury the right of the town of Waterbury the right, right. of first refusal on that. Stanley Hall is a huge facility. That's a that's no tiny building. Uh, but the building's gone. It uh, is. I yes. haven't been. Oh, no kidding. Yes. So they, it's just the land that's. It, yeah, Watson and Stanley Hall were were torn down not this past summer but the summer before, and so huh. it's a big green space and a parking lot right now. Shows you how much I pay attention. Of <laughs> course, <laughs> I have. Haven't been over there. It's uh, off from Main Street, yeah, so you know, yeah, exactly. unless you unless you want to, yeah. you know, you're going there for a purpose. You don't generally go yeah, there. No, yeah. I actually I love Waterbury, and we eat dinner here a lot. Mm-hmm. Could some serious restaurants. Could you uh, go over the one Adult Protective Services? I think you were alluding to that before, and that's so important. Um, my mom was in a in a uh, a home for mm-hmm. about six months before she passed away, and 
Yeah. It's really important. It is very important. That's a, uh, a long bill. We're right, actually right in the middle of markup on that bill. We hope to vote that out of committee this week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's, the Adult Protective Services statute really hasn't been fully rewritten in, uh, close to 50 years. Right. And it was written at a time where Almost everybody receives services in what I will call institutional settings, like the Brandon Training School or like the former state hospital, like uh, nursing facilities. Uh, And many, many more people, the majority, in fact, now choose to have their services at home or in home-like settings, uh, smaller residential care homes, that, that type of thing. And so the, the statute, the way it's currently written, written really focuses on the alleged perpetrator. And while we need to do that, it didn't focus at all and didn't have much in the way of rights for the alleged victim. Uh, And so this Mm. is sort of, you know, we see things through a different lens now and really need to focus on restitution for the alleged victim. And so we um, are... Uh, looking at that law with um, both the focus on the alleged perpetrator and making sure that they're not allowed to work in other pl- in places right. that are going to uh, put other people at risk. But we also want to make sure that the um, alleged victim has the opportunity for restitution and to be made whole as well. Nice. And on break, we were talking about child care, Teresa, because mm-hmm. I asked her if she had seen a report that we covered on this radio station that was done by Larry Chris and uh, Bill Young. Yes, that um, that actually uh, relates. That report relates to oversight at the Department for Children and Families right. and of the um, child custody issues and things like that. Um, last year, the legislature created an, uh, an independent office, so independent of the Department for Children and Families. And there was a press release, actually, it was just announced today that the uh, governor uh, has appointed the head of that office. Um, it's the Office of Child and Family Advocate. And that is going to be um, an office that really looks independently. So it's it's located uh, outside of the Agency of Human Services. It's not even in Human Services. It's in the uh, Agency of Administration. Um, that's the governor's office. And it is going to provide uh, a degree of oversight of the Department for Children and Families that Vermont has not had. And uh, it's important because it's independent. Right. Um, it'll be a two-person office. Uh, they will uh, be able to uh, address on a systematic level uh, the things that people um, were talking about in the report that you just referenced from right. uh, Larry Christ and yeah. Bill Young. Well, I'm so glad. Is it, Do you think some of this had to do with the response uh, to that report? Because that report was not kind. The report was not kind. Actually, we created this office last year. The report oh, was issued okay. um, this fall. Right. Uh, and we created this bill last year because, uh, frankly, advocates have been wanting this for quite some time. Right. And uh, neighboring states all have an office uh, such as this that's independent. And we were able to learn from their experiences about how this could be effective. That's great. Yeah. And so they'll be in the governor's office on the fifth floor reporting into the governor or uh, one of his staff? Well, it's really independent wow um, it's uh it's very independent the governor the governor makes the appointment it has to be confirmed by the senate which right. I, i'm sure mm-hmm. that it will be um there was a, a whole committee process that involved community 
members and yeah. advocates and state staff, and uh, it, it went through. And legislators, uh, right. Representative Dan Noyes was instrumental in getting um, that sort of through and and getting this operational. So I think that one of the things that's important is that that. Uh, they sent two names to the governor's office, uh, and the, both candidates were interviewed, and right. um, you know one of them was chosen, which is because you're sure near the right person in those jobs, you, for you, sure. Especially a, they're independent, but b, this the subject matter is there are kids, there are kids. Um, it makes a difference. Um, we have. Uh, families who don't know how to navigate uh, a child custody system and, um, you know, we all make mistakes and government makes mistakes too. Yeah. And so. Well, in fairness to DCF, because I know a lot of those people, I think they, they erred on the side of caution. Um, what happened for those of you who may not remember the show, there was a report done by Larry and by Bill Young, who is the longest serving commissioner of children and families, whatever they called it back then, huh? in the United States. And, I didn't know that. Oh, yes. And he is so, I mean, I adore the man, so I'm president of the fan club. Um, <laughs> and they said that there are names being put on the child abuse registry uh, that didn't belong there. And, of course, there's um, 30% of the companies in, Verm- in Vermont use that list to, uh, for, as part of the hiring process. So people on the list who shouldn't be there aren't getting jobs. And we were looking at this almost as a workforce development um, effort um, because if they're not on the list, they might get the job and get back to work. But And I think it was just the process itself um, wasn't quite as protective. I mean, just because a claim is made doesn't make it true. Right. And right. and with dealing with child abuse, you got to be darn sure you're – you're talking the right the right thing. You got your facts straight. So absolutely, I'm, I'm, this sounds wonderful. I'm very absolutely. excited. Yeah. So the press release came out today. Today, yeah. Excellent. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but it's a gentleman who was appointed to that position. So yeah, th- I think that that will serve a a very good role, uh, both for people who um, are going through this process right. itself with the Department for Children right. and Families, but also at a systematic level, so that we can take a look at the the procedures that we have, taking a look at, just like we're doing with the Adult Protective Services right, law right, right now, we're doing a complete rewrite of that law. And, you know, maybe it's time to take a, a comprehensive look at the child abuse law and right. uh, and look at that from the perspective of both the victim and the uh, perpetrator and um, make sure that we um, only put people on a registry when it is um, when it we're as sure as we can be. That's great. That's really that's really great. And all of this falls within your jurisdiction, obviously. It does. Yes. So, <laughs> excuse me. Anything else on this list that you'd like to chat about? Um, well, let's talk a little bit about child care. Yes. Uh, you mentioned yep. child care, and uh, right now the Senate is uh, taking the lead on the, the first stab at a comprehensive child care bill. Now, is that the Rand report? Is uh, that that is uh, one of one of the things that uh, is forming the background in right. terms of information. And we had a governance report issued last year as well that uh, really said that we needed to elevate early childhood education and care um, right. in so that had more focus. Uh, and the legislature agrees with that. Yeah. And I think honestly, I think that the the um, administration also agrees with that. Um, they're 
the governor is proposing $56 million of additional support for child care right. services. And the legislature and the governor have worked together over the last several years, actually. This is not the first in influx of resources into child care. And uh, one of the things that's critical in addressing this is the wages of child care workers, um, right. which are um, very low. I mean, they're right. they're insufficient for um, people to be able to take care of themselves and their own families. And uh, so the, the bill that we have making its way through the legislature addresses access to child care, particularly um, for the very youngest children, um, addresses affordability of child care, and addresses workforce. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a, you know, the old three-legged stool analogy. Right. right. They haven't put a price tag on this, on this bill, have Not they? Not yet. Yeah, Not there's yet. a few bills, Teresa, that S S five being one of them. There's no price tag, and you know from reading the bill, it's going to be a dandy. Well, every bill uh, it, that has that uh, is required to have a fiscal right. note, and right. the nonpartisan Joint Fiscal Office does their due diligence in yep. uh, preparing a fiscal note, so that when we vote on something uh, on the floor of the House or the Senate, that we know the cost implications of that. <laughs> you know what I recommended one time? You know how you see the uh, the debt that the that the country's in that Yeah, oh the ticker tape thing, thing, yeah. I thought we should have one of those in the state house in the house and senate floor and every time you pass a bill add oh, add so, to the numbers so, the, the, so because you take bills on their own standalones and you don't think like if whatever this one is got much it costs but then you've got S5 and you've got all these other ones and well it's only 100,000. Well, but that's this bill. And what about the next bill? I always thought just a running ticker tape of how much how much we're looking at. That is the job of the appropriations committees. <laughs> they get Good. they get they get to keep the big picture in mind of all of the things that uh, we policy committees want to do, oh, and then and then uh, they give us the reality check. Yeah. And Catherine Benham is is the head of Joint Fiscal now, isn't she? Yes, she is. I love Catherine. Catherine is doing a fantastic yeah. job. Yes, I worked with her when I was on the school board, and uh, she was on the school board over in the valley and yeah she's doing a fantastic That's great. job excellent because i ran into steve klein who used to be head of the joint fiscal for what a hundred years and we had a great chat on the main street in montpelier the other day yeah he did good yeah did steve, good klein, steve klein was a yeah. hard act to follow but catherine yeah. catherine is doing her darkest yeah, and she's great. doing a great job right so in just a minute we're going to take another break um and we're going to be back talking to um uh, Teresa, about all the work in her committee. What's the biggest thing you're working on now in your committee just before we go to break? Uh, two biggest things we're working on this week. Uh, we, of course, we have crossover coming. That's the date by when all the bills need to be out of the policy committees uh, in order for them to be considered by the other body. So right. in the House, um, the Friday after we get back from town meeting is the crossover date for uh, policy committees. So right now I'm working on the Adult Protective Services right. Law that we said. We are also working on the, our budget recommendations to the Appropriations Committees. Uh, that's taking uh, a huge... Huge, right. uh, huge amount of time because we cover the Agency of Human Services, as you know, is the largest huge. state agency, right. and uh, it covers thousands of Vermonters. Probably, I, I would hazard a guess to probably say every single Vermonter is touched by the Agency of Human Services in one way or another. I, I would agree with that. Um, um, so th- those are things that we are working on getting done this week. That's really good. Up oh, there's the music. So we have to take a break. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. We'll be back with uh, Representative Wood in just a minute.
Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. Hi there, it's Pam McDonald back with you on Vermont Viewpoint and with our guest, Teresa Wood. We were talking offline about good old opioid. And I told Teresa that um, you didn't hear much about it in COVID and you might think it's gone. But if anything, it's gotten worse, right? Absolutely, Pat. Uh, it is uh, It is a tough, tough nut to crack, to be perfectly honest. And what we are trying to do is to reduce the harm. Um, you know, naloxone now is widely available. Uh, it's going to become even more widely available very Good. soon. And that helps to reduce overdose deaths. We just had, we had an incident happen right here in our own Shaw's, right? In local Shaw's. Really? Where, yes. The, uh, two individuals came, uh, they collapsed in, in the aisle and was a, an apparent overdose. Wow. And the store manager on duty ran to the pharmacy, got some That's naloxone, revived them. They called 911. By the time 911 got there, the people had been roused and they left. Wow. But, you know, that person knew what to do. I mean, naloxone now is a pretty Narcan, uh, is the right. trade. Uh, people know what to do generally. Well, and they've been encouraging us, I've heard it on a couple of times, to carry to not carry regular it. people like me yes. to carry it because you never know who you're, it's, it's it, who you're going to run into. It's very true. And, you know, we have seen 2021 was a record number of overdose deaths in Vermont and 2000, 2022, we don't have the final data yet, but it is looking like it is also going to be a record year um, for overdose deaths. And uh. we are looking at everything from recovery housing to um, uh, trying to uh, look at um, safe um, safe sites for yep, people right. to um, be supervised. Uh, we're looking at trying to make sure that uh, medication-assisted treatment is available to as many people as possible. We have a well-renowned, nationally renowned hub-and-spoke system here yes, in Vermont right. um, that, and hospitals are getting on board. I think every hospital in the state, um, if I'm not mistaken, now, um, you know, when somebody arrives there in the emergency room uh, with uh, an overdose, they are given um, three three days worth of medication to be able to try to get them to uh, some sort wow. of um, treatment um, option right. and to get them an appointment as quickly as possible. But still, people are uh, falling through the cracks, and we're still seeing many um, – Many overdose deaths, over over 200 in Vermont in both of those years, and wow. um, it's it's something that we need to kind of address with things that we might not have tried 10 years ago, frankly, but we need to try now. Um, one of the the topics that you were looking at is it's called opioid use disorder response services. Mm-hmm. So is that the meloxone? Is that uh, is that people that go out and and help help uh, the individual? Well, we have a variety of different types of services available to people. So I, I talked about the hub and spoke system. Right. We have the emergency rooms. We have the everyday person on the street carrying uh, right. Narcan with yeah. them now, trying to help. We have recovery centers around the state. Um, we have recovery residences. We have re- we have residential treatment where people can uh, go for two to four weeks to to try to you know wean them off the drug, and right. then um, if they're lucky, they get connected with places like uh, Jenna's Promise up in um, 
Johnson and uh, are able to carry on their recovery. It's recovery is like, um, you know, anything that you are addicted to, whether it's food or whether it's tobacco, uh, whether it's alcohol, you have to try multiple times. And I just encourage anybody out there listening that, uh, if you've tried before and you and you want to be well, keep trying. You know, keep trying, and, and right. to families, don't give up. Um, right. It's just so tragic. I I very rarely do anything to alter the brain. I like my brain to be clear mm-hmm. and thinking. I'm not too crazy about being in la la land. I don't like the feeling. I like to be in control, and I just I struggle with people that really need that that help. So they think. Well, I don't and, know how you overcome it. You know, people get addicted for lots of different reasons. You know, um, certainly there might be some people who, you know, wanted to do it, you know, for that reason. But certainly there are many other people who have become addicted to opioids because of pain management. And um, I think that people also believe that this is uh, a disease or a condition of, um, you know, maybe 20, 30-year-olds, and right. it is across the age uh, span. Uh, I would think so. Um, we have many older Vermonters who have uh, substance use disorder. Yeah. And um, so and that's also alcohol. I mean, it's not just absolutely. drugs. It's alcohol. And have they found a way to test yet in motor vehicles? That was a big issue back then. And you don't, On the can- you, you're talking about cannabis? Uh, any of this stuff. How, can you test for drugs rather uh, than al- alcohol is easy. It, right. Um, so there is a, a process. Uh, I'm not the most familiar with the process that didn't come to my committee, but oh. there is a process that is used um, that involves specially trained officers. Right. That yeah. Can, yeah, they can look at you in the eyes and the way you're there's, working. Yeah, there's, there's different yeah. ways. Because I, I think that. it's only through a blood test that you can really identify what and how much and, and how impaired you are. Uh, I just like to have my little gray cells on all four, you know, alert and paying attention. Well, and one of the things that uh, we've heard testimony in our committee, we hear from people who are in recovery and uh, we hear how difficult it was to get to that space right. and how close they are each and every day to um, having a relapse. Mm. And they, though, are the peer support for people. They can help other folks and yep. often Peer support is something that is very valuable. If you've been through it yourself, it's it's um, you can relate better to the individual who is in front of you who might exactly. need that kind of support. We learned that I had several gentlemen in retired troopers, uh, state troopers, and they uh, belong to this network of being able to help first responders who are in crisis. Oh. And they said how important it is that it's peer to peer. So I I think that's that makes a lot of sense because you don't have to say I if I said to you I understand I really don't right but if I've been there done that. Yeah. I do understand. Yeah. So uh, it makes a difference. Yeah. So you've got on this uh, list of yours here, which is awesome. Um, good old global commitment. Are, what are we? <laughs> I'm sorry. What are we doing with global commitment? So global commitment for listeners, global commitment is Vermont's Medicaid program. So global, we, Vermont just received uh, an extension, a uh, renewal, if you will, of our global commitment waiver. So mm. under what call, what is called an 1115 waiver, the state is able to put together a Medicaid program that is more individualized to Vermonters. Um, huh. And we're able to cover things that they're not able to cover in other states because we think they're preventative in nature. 
um, we're able to cover recovery services, for instance. Right. That's not ordinarily a Medicaid service. Huh. Um, with this renewal, recovery services Great. are now going to become a Medicaid service, which will – why that's important to Vermonters is because um, we get federal funding if we can get um, it covered under Medicaid. And um, so instead of – if we talk about a dollar, instead of spending uh, – a Vermonter dollar, we get part of the rest of the country to help pay our bills, if oh, you will. Thank you, country. <laughs> uh, so global commitment is very important to Vermont. It's enabled us to do things that we would not have been able to do, um, disability services, older Vermonter services, services for people with substance use uh, issues, um, some some mental health services, services for uh, children's um, health care, uh, and we've been able to do that and uh, meet certain requirements of the federal government. That's so great. all you need to know is global commitment, if you hear that term, it's, it's Vermont's Medicaid program. That's great. And uh, I know you're not in oversight of Green Mountain Care Board because there isn't anybody oversight, but could you tell them about the new member on the Green Mountain Care Board? That's pretty exciting. Sure. Uh, there is a local emergency room physician, Dr. Merman from Central Vermont Hospital, is uh, one of the new members that was appointed by the governor to the Green Mountain Care Board. And uh, in talking with him before he was sort of considering putting in his application, I really encouraged him to do it because I feel like Green Mountain Care Board having an actual practicing physician Absolutely. on the board uh, is critical so they know actually what, you know, what <laughs> you this think? feels like, you know, <laughs> in, in looking at uh, health care expenses, yep. health care reform and uh, so I'm sure it's been an eye opener for him to be on the board, and uh, it, it's a it's a struggle, I'm sure. Um, but I feel confident that he uh, will and is doing a, a yeah. good job there. He takes it very seriously. I'm going to reach out and see if we can get him on the program um, because the Green Mountain Care Board. Do you know? I think they have like 24 or 30 employees behind the scenes. That sort of staggered me, wondering because I know that they look at all of the uh, budgets for all the hospitals. Um, I just found 24 or so was a lot of employees, but they, what do uh, I know? Yeah, I don't know the exact number of employees that they have, but they they do, uh, you know, there's sort of the oversight of uh, rates, uh, right. health insurance rates, right. um, hospital uh, budget expenditures right. and investments. Right now they're, they're weighing in on, uh, they're back a few years ago, the um, uh, UVM Medical Center had a, a surplus, and there was uh, a set aside for mental health services. Right. And so, right now, for instance, the UVM is, uh, you know, asking for permission to uh, invest that money yep. in in others. They were going to build an additional facility, and uh, I think that's on hold for right now. But well, it's fascinating. Years ag- years ago, um, Belinda Leclaire. Mm-hmm. when she was involved with the opioid crisis, asked my TV show to do a series of shows on op- opioids and, and everything that's involved, or that the actual addiction, the recovery. I think we did eight shows uh, with a gentleman from Burlington. And um, fascinating. I mean, as horrible as it is, it's also fascinating just how it all works and how we're trying so hard. And it's got nothing to do, as you mentioned, with age. Uh, Teresa is headed back to the State House, and we forgot to mention this when she was 
on air with me. They have a um, resolution honoring Bill Shepluck, who used to be the city man, town manager here for many, many years. I had him on the show um, the week he was leaving. So that's a pretty cool honor um, when you get a resolution um, written and there'll be lots of folks thanking him. So we thank Bill for all his service here in, in Waterbury. And um, uh, he has been a big help to me over the years, a uh, place, uh, place to go and ask questions if I needed some help in Berlin. Um, so there you go. And it's an open mic. So 244-1777. Coming up, we have Mark Madrid, who's the Associate Administrator, Office of Entrepreneurial Development from the U.S. Small Business Administration in D.C. And joining Mark is Darcy Carter, Director of Vermont Small Business Administration. And um, two things that we love in Vermont, small businesses and entrepreneurship. So um, I'm going to look forward to that discussion. Um you know, I'm sure all of you know I'm a little political. Um, and the one thing that's really getting my attention these days is the elimination of some, by some of our legislators of getting rid of independent schools. Um, we have had independent and school choice here in Vermont for over 150 years. We were the first state to start it. And I, I don't want it to go. I think, you know, kids learn in all different styles and, and ways. Um, me, I'm not a sit in a, a big room with 300 other students listening to a lecture. I just tune out. But put me at a table with my hands uh, on a project and I'm good to go. Uh, I don't know. I think they got a little upset when the uh, con- when our Supreme Court said that dollars could go to religious schools and they were all upset about that. But... Uh, my daughter went to a Catholic school in um, Tarrytown, New York, because of something that happened in the public school. And I talked to them, and um, they had her do a study hall when they were doing religion. This isn't hard to solve. Um, you don't want your children to, to go to religious instructions. They go to study hall. Give them a project. Give them something to do in place of going to the to the course. Um, I don't know why they're making a big deal about it because if you look at the outcomes, um, which is another thing I learned the other day, our, uh, our schools have, have uh, done the SBAC tests for years, um, and that showed that our students are not meeting proficiency in English, math, and sciences. Um, and apparently, I just heard about this. We're not doing the SBAC anymore. They're switching to a test called Cognia, C-O-G-N-I-A. You should look it up. This new test has a larger focus on equity. And equitable classrooms and curriculum are designed to serve students no matter their race, gender, income level, or ability to personalizing learning to their unique needs. Equity means that each individual student receives exactly what they need in order to succeed I is Teresa on the phone? Ah, yes. Teresa, hi. I just told him about Bill. We forgot to mention it. If if that's what you were calling about. No, actually, I wanted to tell listeners about a story about how you and I first met. <laughs> oh God. Okay, go ahead. All right. So uh, many moons ago, I was chair of a school board when we were building Crossbrook Middle School. 
And uh, back in the day, we had a difficult time getting the Agency of Transportation uh, to put a flashing light there so that uh, people would realize that there was a school there because it was new and that there would be kids crossing Route 100, which is a very busy route, as you know. Well, what listeners might not know about Pat is that uh, she was either commissioner or secretary of several state, state departments, and at the time, she was secretary of transportation. So I finally said, I'm calling, I'm calling the boss. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I communicated with Pat, and she said, well, I'll come on down. Let me see. So she came to a board meeting. I don't know if you remember this, Pat. Oh, I do. Yeah, she came to a board meeting and she could see for herself that a flashing light was something that was definitely necessary for safety there for the students and for the motorists. And uh, within a couple of weeks, there was a flashing light there. So, uh, you know, sometimes uh, having relationships in yep. state government is very helpful. Yes, thank you, too. That's very sweet of you to mention that. I do remember it. Um uh, I remember going to the meeting, and, and it made sense to me. So you got to keep the kids <laughs> safe. Thank you. Have a great I trip. Know. Say hi to Bill from WDEV. That's really nice. Okay, we yeah. will. Take care. Thanks, Teresa. Bye. Well, that was Bye. nice. I was telling Teresa I've had seven appointed positions. I think I I hold the title. Tom Torty was trying to chase me, but he he didn't quite make that. I have had seven. Can you imagine that? A lot of stuff I have to learn. Anyway, back to this, uh, the school test. Um, it focuses on, on equity and, and it all sounds wonderful. I just hope that somebody at some point in time takes the time to tell students what the real world is all about. The one where you're expected to work whatever hours it takes to get the job done, sometimes with a little extra pay or recognition. And I could come up with a million other scenarios, but I have a caller, Jordan from Waterbury. Jordan? Yeah, good morning, Pat. Good morning. I, mean, I just didn't know if at some point you might be able to do a show about um Vermont's finances, like, I don't, what we're hearing out of the legislature this year is sounding a little frightening with the expenditures. With, um, I listened to Secretary Moore last night do a debate yeah. about the Affordable Heating Act. Yep. And that coupled with the um, Child Care Act, which could possibly be 9% payroll tax. Yep. Um, well, this coupled with a, uh, Three billion dollar overhanging. <laughs> yep, I get it. That's why I, I I was semi kidding, but I actually think they should keep a running tally of what each of these bills is costing us, the taxpayer, because when you look at something on its own and you don't connect it with any other bill, it makes a lot of sense, and you vote yes, and you don't understand the domino effects, but everything we do in the state house has got something, some money attached to it, and there is a statute that says that they can't pass a bill that has money in it unless they can prove that that the cost um, um, justifies, uh, the cost is justified to, to the um, impact to the good of, of Vermont. And um, this S-5, which is the um, carbon tax bill, and this uh, child care um, bill, they're going to cost big bucks. Uh, and, well, and it's just, it's staggering. I agree with you. Um, 
there are ways to streamline. There are always alternative ways to do things without, but they always go, give me the money and we'll fix it. Well, that's not always the case. You've got to... Pat, I don't mean to interrupt. No. It almost seems like this is going against us in the sense of we're going to... Another tax, it seems like we're going to shrink our economy instead of growing our economy. And under the lure of child care, I'm not sure if that's going to bring in people the way that they may expect, as opposed to us being able to create a a true economy. Um, And anyhow, Pat, I'll leave you on this. I realize you've got a break coming up, but um, (laughs) I just... For full disclosure, I'm a state employee and have been for over 20 years, and I have a great, great concern that we're going to wake up one morning. It's not going to, the legislatures that are passing bills currently may not be there, and we're going to wake up one morning, and all of a sudden, we're going to be in Detroit situation where, <laughs> hey, you only, you only have, we only have money to give you 10% of what we were going to. And I, I didn't know if there's a way that you have a, a much larger voice than most um i just didn't know if somehow you can bring this to we have town meeting coming up i right. just, i feel like the amount of money that they are looking at spending right now we're in really good times with federal resources the economy hasn't quite shrunk here the way it has in some places but we're living in a golden times right now and we're not paying down any debt and as a matter of fact we're about to add new taxes when we're doing really well. And it's very concerning. And thank you for taking my call. No problem. Thank you. And thank you for your service to the state. Good for you. I always enjoyed working for the state. The state employees um, are an amazing group. And I know there's a lot of jokes said behind the scenes, but we're very lucky to have them here. What they need is efficient um, processes to make their day easier and make them feel like they've accomplished something because most of the stuff we do is sort of very complicated and costs too much money. There are ways to do this. Anyway, I'm going to take a break now, and we're going to have Mark Madrid and Darcy Carter from Small Business Administration join us and talk about the Community Navigator pilot program. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Hey, this is Pam McDonald back with Vermont Viewpoint and our guest, Mark Madrid, who's the Associate Administrator from the Office of Entrepreneurial Development for the U.S. Small Business Administration, straight from D.C. Very excited to meet you. And Darcy Carter, who's the Director of the Vermont Small Business Administration here in Vermont. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I just have to announce one thing really quickly. You've got to tune in on Thursday at 10 o'clock. I have, oh, nine o'clock, sorry. I have a student from UVN who is a Bitcoin expert. And I did research all day yesterday and I am ready for, for him. I'm so excited to learn about Bitcoin. You know, and don't feel bad for those people that lost a billion dollars. They, they had an, they're all their names and how many billions they have left. I thought they lost it all, but no. <laughs> They have many billions left, so the, I'm upset with the them, but you know, really. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show, both of you. We're glad you're here. Um, Mark, I know you're touring Vermont and New Hampshire, I understand. And Maine. Oh, and, oh, good Absolutely. for you. We, we summer in Maine. Lo- oh. I love Maine. I hope you like lobster. That's a good thing. I love lobster. Yeah. They're, they're apparently messing around with the lobsters up in Maine, which I'm going to have to do a story on. Um, but could you tell us a little bit about yourself? And you've had an amazing background, and thank you for your service. 
I'm truly energized to be here. First time in Vermont, first time in Maine. <laughs> Couldn't be more excited to be here with Darcy and our SBA office here in uh, the state of Vermont. And I've been here since yesterday, and we've been on the ground oh. um, visiting small business owners. So uh, I'm just energized. Uh, in fact, we just came from Vermont Bridal Showroom. Oh, and nice. so, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you the cliff notes version myself, but I can't wait to talk about these small business owners. We call them the giants of our economy. Well, they are here in Vermont. That and entrepreneurs. We're very big on entrepreneurs here. Um, got a lot of hubs where they can go in and, and, uh, uh, get their business started with support from, from what you all do for us. And it's really great. It's a good state. It is. And uh, so I uh, lead the Office of Entrepreneurial Development. Consider that a primary technical assistance and educational arm of the SBA. And so I work directly. Um, my boss is the administrator of the Small Business Administration, Isabella Casillas-Guzman, and she's also President Biden cabinet official. Nice. And so it is so uh, – I never imagined in my wildest dreams growing up in rural Texas on a farm that I would be in this position today. And the reason it means so much. Um, because, you know, friends, you can go read about me on, on the public right. website. But the reason I'm here is my parents erected a small business. They were migrant farm workers and hoeing cotton in the South Plains of Texas. And my dad was the most industrious person that I'll <laughs> ever know. And him and my mom, uh, they decided that they wanted to be their own bosses. So they erected a welding business. In at, Texas. Uh, in Texas. That was good t- good thinking. That's <laughs> right. That's right. A lot of cattle in Texas. In fact, I grew up in the cheeseburger capital of Texas. Excellent. And so um, my dad said, if it doesn't smell like manure, it doesn't smell like money. Okay, so he erected right. he erected grain elevators, cattle pens, and and they had that business for over forty years. So I have small business That's DNA. Great. That's great. Well, sometimes we we're we don't help our small businesses. I don't think as much as we could. I think our legislature looks at if you own a business, you've got lots of money. And that's not true in small business land because they they operate on a very small margin of profit. They it's not like they're buying any McMansions anytime soon. They're working hard. I can tell you you're absolutely right. I mean, visiting Marina, who owns this bridal shop, right. her hours of operation are from 9 a.m. till 7 p.m. Yep, and she go. met us at 8 a.m. And I, I haven't met a more energetic person than Marina. And her story about being at a mall and basically the mall, uh, you know, landlord saying, uh, you need to get out because oh. this mall is closing. And all she did in two months was go into a building, a new building, transform it, and now it's this elegant bridal showroom. But guess what? It's just me, myself, and I. It's just her. Right, She's one right, person. Right. Uh, but what she has is is resilience. She has hope. In other words, she says when there's an opportunity, there's only one choice. Go. Right. And when you see that spirit of small business owners, but you're absolutely right. They need our support. We need to do more. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And we've, that's the vein of, that's who we are in Vermont. Entrepreneurs and small businesses. And, um, I love the VSET is a, a place where it's, I don't know if you're visiting with uh, Dave Bradbury. Um, not this trip. Oh, well, it's, it's a funkiest place because mm-hmm. they all have different little cubbies for, for entrepreneurs and they all share uh, supports and stuff. And he has had so many success stories of people going there, helping them with their business plan, helping them to get funding. Um, through the SBA and other places and uh, our commerce and community development people. Um, 
It's really great. And I admire them. They're, they're also our coaches of our little league. They're our neighbors. They're churchgoers. They're running for office now. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, back in January last year, 2022, um, the Vermont Business Magazine announced, um, that President Biden and Vice President Harris um, came up with this initiative and Vermont was chosen as one of the 51 grantees to um, to help with this uh, community navigator pilot program. Could you talk about because uh, they, they did the hub and spoke presentation, right, which I was just talking to Teresa about, about uh, opioids and stuff. And we use in our healthcare system, the hub and it just works. It's a model that works. So how come we got so, so lucky because we got good people here, right? Oh, we have the best feeling. Yeah. I'm going to have Darcy because she's the expert on the ground. Yeah. Our Vermont district office, they're the senses of, of the SBA here. Right. They really know the terrain and the territory. And that's the hallmark of the Community Navigator Pilot Program. So I'm very right. thankful to President Biden, Vice President Harris, and our Administrator Guzman. But the hallmark of that program is let's try to reach people who have never heard of the SBA or maybe heard of the SBA but did not have success. What is the key to building that awareness is trust. Who better than to rely on for trust building than our community partners? So this was an expansion, uh, you know, from the typical grantees that we have. And we went outside of that to nonprofits and economic development agencies. And so the Vermont Small Business Development Center uh, was chosen as a grantee to collaborate. I'm going to have Darcy expand on this. But the the premise of the hub and spoke model is to have a hub that has economies of scale that can support – the spokes, which are the community trust agents on the ground. Right. In other words, uh, I've been through th- th- during the pandemic. You know, I remember a chamber of commerce in El Paso that was literally going down the streets uh, to some uh, monolith, uh, you know, monolingual Spanish speakers talking in Spanish, going down with a rolling cart with plexiglass, providing uh, you know broadband oh. access, providing mobile scanners. Nice. And so that's an example, and certainly here in Vermont, I'm not going steal your thunder, Darcy, because <laughs> what I saw was absolutely magnificent, yeah. this amazing coalition that yeah. Darcy can expand. Yeah. You've got quite a list of, of uh, companies that are helping you out here. So why don't can you talk a little bit about this pilot program and the hub and spoke model and how that works? Sure. So I think what was great is our um, state director of the Small Business Development Center, which is an SBA grantee. Um, they came, uh, Linda Rossi is the director. She came up with this idea of trying to use different partners that we haven't used before because we're trying to reach the smallest of the small, very rural, BIPOC, LGBTQ, veterans, women-owned, those that have been, you know, kind of left behind, especially during the pandemic in terms of business resources, a lot of it due to highly rural transportation issues, um, you know, just working too much and, you know, not able to access the things during weekdays and things like that. So I was trying to, like reconsider all the points of access to what is available and there's a lot of free resources that are in the SBA umbrella. So Linda said, well let's do things a little differently. I want to include young entrepreneurs. So the Vermont Principal Association is one of the spokes and they have um, what they call mini monies. They gave awards to 17 schools and again this was for disadvantaged 
um, students and their families. Um, some of the projects were, um, they, they start a little business, like it might have been artisan jewelry or, you know, some kind of skincare product right. or something like that. And they, they understand the whole business model, income, and expenses, but they're basically learning self-confidence in the process and seeing for themselves, hey, you know, entrepreneurship isn't something um, that isn't unattainable for me. So that was a very new partner that That's we great. worked with. So that was just one example. Yeah, and somewhere on your website they have the list of uh, the nine spokes, right. but they also have a paragraph with each of them that tells them what services they can provide right. to the small business person that needs some help. And um, I'm telling you, you got to call the Vermont Department of Labor. Just saying. <laughs> we do work with them um, through their different locations. Yeah, and, um, we can do start your own business workshops yeah. and things like Cause that. Because they actually have uh, what they call navigators in the Department of Labor to work with veterans and mm -hmm. to bring them in and to get get them in touch with all the people that could help them and get them back to work um, that we would hope would happen. And um, they're, it's it's all the same model. It's reaching out and helping. How hard is that? Absolutely. Right? And veterans and women are a very uh, integral yeah. part of this legislation. Yeah, right. Well, this street, I have, I'm going to get this wrong, but this street is the highest percentage of women-owned mm -hmm. businesses. Didn't We talked about yeah, that. Yeah, that's when, great. Yeah. Um, so here we are. Ta-da. Ta-da. <laughs> Yay. The uh, greatest influences in my life yeah. have been women, yeah. period. <laughs> um, so tell me, um, Mark, it, it, the grant process stopped um, asking to be included, but who who were eligible for the grants? What made them eligible um, to participate in this project? Well, we expanded our scope beyond uh, the grantees that I oversee in this office, which are the small business development centers, uh, the women's business centers, our score chapters throughout the U.S., Puerto Rico, and U.S. territories. Right. Um, and so we expanded that footprint uh, to include nonprofits and economic development right. uh, agencies. So that's the beauty of these collaborations when we talk about even like the Vermont Law School being a spoke of this wonderful coalition right. and it's collaborative collaboration because um our administrator Guzman of the SBA, she says, you know, our small businesses, especially the solo, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, they don't have a capital providers, legal support, and bookkeepers on sp speed dial. So the fact that there's legal support offered through this coalition is truly, truly That's remarkable. Great. That's great. Um, and I'm sure we would love the help because our small, we have a lot of support for small business here. Don't you agree? Yes. Community, uh, the community, um, development, um, agency really goes out of its way to help. Mm -hmm. And that's, this is just one more wonderful thing that they can, especially during COVID. Um, right. how, how we came up with very, you know what we did here? Just we, um, uh, I better stop talking and I'll tell you about it after the break. Hi there, it's Pam McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint, and I am here with Mark Madrid, who's Associate Administrator of, of Entrepreneurial Development for the U.S. Small Business Administration, right from D.C., and Darcy Carter, who's the Director of the uh, Vermont Small Business Administration, and we're talking about the Community Navigator Pilot Program. And Mark, you were quoted in an interview, and I will read it, it's a little long, the Community Navigation Pilot Program is a crucial addition to our SBA programs because it helps us to connect with small businesses that have historically been underserved or left behind. Uh, these businesses, predominantly the smallest of the small in urban and rural America and with a focus on women, people of color, or veterans, um, 
And I just, I think that's great, especially because Vermont is such a rural state. Um, we have some problems reaching out to folks, um, outside the, this Burlington and wherever else. Um, so can you talk about the benefits of this program to those that are underserved? Thank you, Pat. And once again, thrilled to be here, energized to yeah. be here. Well, I grew up in rural America, uh, in a small business family and, um, I lost my dad to COVID-19, almost oh, my mother sorry. at the same time. And so, um, instead of auctioning all my dad's welders down to the last socket, I wish that he would have had the support to franchise his brilliant mind so that we wouldn't be in that position that was heart-wrenching. I just said that about a year ago. Oh, wow. So that drives me to create access to work through broadband issues. You know, a silver lining, there's not many from the pandemic, was that some of our rural entrepreneurs um, and underrepresented were able to attend, um, you know, virtual settings, right? And, and say that access is not only accessible, but it's acceptable to me in my situation. But we have a lot of work to do. Right. You know, we, uh, I try to be as honorable as I can to our small business owners. In other words, I'm not going to bring you on for an hour and a half. Um, let, let's, let's bring you on for 15 minutes. Let's tell you why you, you, potentially could benefit from this and then it's your choice because you have a business to run so that is the essence of this community navigator pilot program it let's talk about a disaster for instance we want to make sure that you know the sba before the next disaster because Mm -hmm. people got left out um, of our paycheck protection program our economic injury disaster loan and the such and we never know what's going to happen with our weather catastrophes Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's important to know the resources that are out there i i have this wonderful business a woman-owned business that says get to know the banker before you need the money it's the same principle there you go very wise. And the, this program was part of the American Rescue Plan Act, correct? Yeah, because that, that did a lot of, that's some great stuff in that, in that uh, bill. Um, and you also, did you not meet yesterday with a bunch of the folks who are your spokes? Oh, yes. Uh, you indeed. met in Burlington. Oh, How did that go? Oh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And, uh, let me just try to paint this picture. There was a lot of camaraderie happened and it was a, it was a table full of women business leaders. And as I mentioned before, the greatest influence of my life have been women. Mm-hmm. And to see these women working together and mm-hmm. saying, you know what? Uh, a small business owner might need us over here. The next one might need this next spoke over here. The next one might need a whole one altogether. But here, here's the, the, the blueprint of this program because it's looking not only at the present but the future. We're hoping that the small business owner that goes to one spoke in the next stage of their growth and or scale will need another spoke. Right. And that's the beauty of this program. Nine spokes working right. together on right. behalf of our small businesses in this state. Yeah, and that list is very impressive. We um, Mark has to leave us uh, in about 10 minutes, and Darcy is going to stay, and we're going to talk about those uh uh, those spokes, um, because you know you know them, and you know that when there's an emergency, they come forward. We've got some companies in this state that the minute there's a disaster, whether it was Tropical Storm Irene um, or whatever we're dealing with, they're right there. It is amazing state. I, honest, we have now Ukrainians who are here. Mm-hmm. Um, they, my uh, the church in Barry just did a big fundraiser for the Turkish people. I mean, we just we just do what we need to do. Um, and, and help. So what, oh, I, you have to tell this. I love that, this quote that you were on when you talked about to serve our U.S. small businesses, you must meet them where they are, very important, and be an elephant, not a hippo. Could you explain that, please? Absolutely. I, I learned this, it. I learned this lesson probably about 10 years ago, and someone told me, 
let's try to be elephants, not hippos. Elephants have big ears. Hippos have small ears. So the most important thing that I can do, especially yesterday, was to listen. Right. Because I am not from this state, nor do I want to pretend to be, but I appreciate the people who are here. I want to learn as much as possible as Darcy can attest to. The most important question I can ask is, how are you doing? What's it like here? How are the small businesses doing? Why does that small business have caution tape in front of their bathroom? Why is this small business, uh, you know, making this tie out of rayon instead of silk? Um, and can you tell me more about what's going on with the chocolatiers and, and what's going on with agriculture um, and our restaurants and our breweries? Um, is there, a, you know, our job our small businesses are responsible for half of America's workforce, two-thirds of new net jobs. So right. how small businesses go in Vermont is how the Vermont economy goes. That's the bottom line. So the best thing I can do is listen. Like yeah. I listened to integrative acupuncture and Dr. Carrie Boyle yesterday. <laughs> and um, and uh, she told me about how she is uh, opening multiple businesses to serve the wellness of this state through her clients. And, of course, just visiting Vermont Bridal Showroom and Marina right. I, I was just utterly remarkable. Yeah. That's great. Well, I, uh, the women that I've worked with over the years, they just, they support each other, which is important. Um, I think, don't you think that, Dorsey? Yeah, definitely. Women support women. And if they're in trouble, they come to their rescue and they, they don't look at it as a competition. They just help. So that's, uh, that's Vermont in a nutshell, I think. Love that's why that. we, that's why we like, I love that elephant hippo thing because you could apply that to just about everything. That is so right. true. <laughs> so what um, what does success mean in your program? How do you know that it is successful and that these businesses are – what does that look like? Success looks like a small business not having something and because of the Community Navigator Pilot Program, they have something. Uh, That's the bottom line. I've heard countless stories about somebody who didn't know how to originate their business plan, somebody who got their closing documents uh, for that loan uh, through the SBA, somebody who uh, had more networks and uh, was opened a Rolodex of contacts. Mm -hmm. Social capital is very, very important in terms of access to capital as well, closing these resource gaps. So success looks like, to me, if I'm in Northern California and visiting that Asian American business um, that was... Uh, had uh, was Vietnamese and 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 needed translation for right. services because they needed to uh, grow their business that particular restaurant that I'm thinking of in Little right. Saigon in San Jose California. Well, they came to a spoke huh. and the materials are translated here here in Vermont because I've got to talk about Vermont. Going back to Vermont Bridal Showroom, when this fabulous entrepreneur was told you got to get out of here, and in two months. Getting into a building mm-hmm. and getting it brilliantly right. and extravagant to benefit our Vermont brides and to do that in two months, yeah. that was the first Community Navigator Pilot uh, uh, customer really? of the Women's Business Center that's, that's part of this cool. coalition. So, Darcy, how do they know to call you and to and to come and apply? Right. It's um, just doing more outreach than right. we ever have been doing before. And, of course, COVID made it difficult, but now we're out and about in person. And word of mouth, our Women's Business Center just does a fabulous right. job. Um, you know, and word gets out and they get a lot of referrals from uh, women that want to start their business. That's and, great. Yeah. That's great. And, Pat, for everyone listening here, sba.gov. So SBA, like Small Business Administration, sba.gov, 
Uh, there, if you want to go now, uh, if you can, not if you're driving, but uh, you can go on your cell phone, and then there's a menu on your top right, and then you'll see an option called Find Local Assistance. You can type in your zip code, oh. and then you'll see some of the resources that we're describing, including That's our great. fabulous district office That's here great. in Vermont that Darcy leads. And and all of these spoke the spoke people, ha <laughs> spoke people. Um, sorry, um, they're doing this for for free. I mean, there there's no charge to this. They're they're helping their, their just because are free. They, yeah, right. That they just want to help. And um, uh, I'm just looking down this list in the Center for Economic Development Corp. Um, they mentioned the Principals Association. Uh, Main Street Alliance. I think that Main Street Alliance is involved in everything. She is amazing. Uh, and the Vermont Law School. Um, it's there and it's there to help you. Um, excuse me. <coughs> so, um, and what, what's next on your agenda, Mark? Are you going to be visiting some more today? That's right. So next on the agenda is, um, you know, honoring Black History Month. And so I'm about to have a call there virtually Good. with the U.S. Black Chambers. <coughs> and then we're headed to Maine. Oh, nice. Uh, we're headed to Maine to visit with our wonderful district office there. And it's just such an honor to be in multiple places in a couple of days, <coughs> especially in this area of the country. Thank you to the state of Vermont. Yeah. Thank you, all small businesses that, that are hearing us today. And and those who know small businesses, it's important to shop small and to support the giants of our economy. <laughs> Where are you going in Maine? Portland? Yes, I'm oh. going to Portland. Excuse me. We camp. I'm, I don't know what's wrong. Uh, I have to take a break. We uh, we camp right near there. Uh, my daughter. Oh, thank you. Food. My daughter uh, works in Portland and she lives in Westbrook and we love it up there. We summer there. You have yes. to like fish oh. and lobster. Well, I'm in good shape then. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry for the coughing. Um so you're going to be doing the same thing. Is Maine part of the the group that that was awarded funds, or? Well, we'll be visiting our our district office mm-hmm. there and what we call resource partners, uh, which is w- along with the strong team that we oversee in this uh, area of, of the SBA. So our small business development centers, our women's business centers, right. and SCORE chapters, and SCORE are the volunteer mentors that we have across America. Yeah, that is that's very popular here in Vermont. Mm-hmm. I've actually used them over the years in state government for when I need help. Um, so anyway, we have to take a break. Mark, are you leaving now? I'm leaving, Pat. What an honor to be <coughs> here. And Darcy, um, tremendous job to you and your team. What an honor to be here. That's thank you, nice. Vermont. Thank, oh, thank you. And thank you for your help, too. It's a pleasure course, to meet you. Thank you. Have a safe trip in that thank snow. You. you can do it, right? Yes. Yes. We'll do. <laughs> we'll the... adopt you. You'll be fine. <laughs> I don't care about snow. It's the ice. I hear ice, and I'm like, well, maybe I'll stay inside. But anyway, Darcy's going to stay with us, and we're going to talk about all of these folks who have stepped up to help. So check out um, Mr. Guzman here in in Vermont. They could be related. I will do. Serious. He's a great actor. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Have a safe trip. In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today... Hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. 
Hi there, it's Pam McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Uh, Mark Madrid has left, and I should say that this pro- the program, Community Navigator Pilot Program, uh, awarded Vermont $2.5 million. And so we thank them very much. Uh, and it's a real honor. 50 out of 51 grantees, Vermont was one, and there were 700 submissions. So that'll tell you something about Vermont Small Business Association. So kudos to you guys. Yeah, That's really great. happy about it. There's something about the spoke, uh, the hub and spoke model, because it's been used other places in Vermont. Um, I actually think it started years and years ago with the mental health um, yeah, it was a health accident. Yeah, it was, uh, right. And I just think that just makes sense to people. They get it. You go in one door and you get help from all other people in the hub. And, um, I think anybody can understand it and it works. Right. Yeah. It's um, recognizing different right. um, access points and yeah. better, better understanding who you're trying to serve. That's great. So can you talk a little bit about um, your job at the Small Business Association and maybe if you want to spend the next uh, few minutes talking about all the services that you do have to help small businesses? Sure. Um, I have the pleasure of working for SBA now for 32 years. Good for um, you. But I just love it. Um, so we get help people get started in business, help them grow successfully, and help them access the capital they need to grow. And we also help them um, – sell their product or service to the federal government or state government. That's a whole separate part of the agency. Um, we also have a program for um, high-tech uh, innovation called the Small Business Innovative Research Program where you can access grants um, to, to build your you know tech startup. Right. Um, we have a strategic growth planning program. It used to be called Emerging Leaders, and I reimagined it. Now it's called Thrive. But it's basically a seven-month program. There's no cost to attend. We can take 20 people. Yeah. So we're looking to offer that again, um, probably starting in the summer. And um, it really helps those businesses that have been in business already for a few years and they're in that next stage of growth. They have the opportunity to go after something, but they're building up all their kind of systems and trying to figure out a lot of things at one time, right. you know, getting key people in, um, different supply, you know, considerations yeah. and all that. What is the program, and you just said it, my mind went blank, um, where they have professionals that can come in and help you um, for, with no charge to help you with any issues that you're dealing with. Right. So we've got, um, we actually have four. <laughs> um, so there's the Small Business Development Center. Right. And their website's vtsbdc.org. And is that a different location, a different place in the Small Business Administration? Because yeah, I a, saw them and I wasn't sure whether yeah, they were they the same alike. place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Yeah, so they have a grant from SBA um, for part of their budget and then the state of Vermont and um, Vermont State College colleges makes up the rest Um, and so they have locations around the state and you can go um, to meet one-on-one confidentially at no cost to go over any aspect of your business whether your startup the business planning aspect or trying to find capital market research um, you know pricing inventory management anything like that QuickBooks, um, just trying to get you started on the right track and businesses that work with an advisor usually are more profitable, they stay in business longer, and they tend to hire more employees because they're growing. That's great. Well, so that's yeah. one source. The other one, um, Women's Business Centers, is a nat- and these are available in every state. Right. So ours is called the Center for Women in Enterprise, and they serve, serve statewide. They're located in Burlington. Same thing, free, one-on-one right. advising. 
um, many times as you want to go. And then they offer some free and some low-fee types of different trainings. And it's a great place to network with other, you know, women entrepreneurs. Um, everybody's welcome, though. You don't have to be a woman to go. And um, their score is... That um, score, that's what I was thinking. Right? ...during um, National Mentor Month in January. Yeah. And that is um, a group of volunteers. They're all, they all go through training. They either owned a business or they were an executive in managing a business. Right. So they're just offering t- their time um, yeah. to work one-on-one. Because I've used them off and on over the gazillion years mm-hmm. I've worked. I, you're looking for some expert yep. that come in and help you very short term, but it's great yep. um, and it's free. So how right. can you beat that? And their their website is score.org. It's um, got so many tools on there for business, and they have it's a national program, so they've got webinars from all over right. the country. All the different chapters that do different things so you know every market's different That's so you great. might find whatever you do there's someone in california is doing a webinar on that right you know? right so, yeah because I, I um you mentioned business plans that's so critical to a new business it's sort of like a resume it's got to be right right and you have to understand your audience and write it for the audience and and hope it works right and there's kind of a, new, a newer process called um business model canvas and it's kind mm-hmm. of like um, rather than writing like a hundred-page business plan, you are kind of doing like a mapping out of all the kind of key things you need to consider when you're starting a business. Right. I have to. I have to tell us a story. A hundred years ago, when I was working in New York, I was asked to present to the board of directors, and I was just like. This is a big deal for me. So I made up my presentation and I presented it to them. And afterwards, the the chairman of the board took me aside and he said, Pat, next time you come before us, we we think in millions and billions. Because I was doing, you know, $1,332.32. And he said to me, just round it all up to the nearest million or billion. That's, And so it's very important, I learned back then, to know your audience. Mm-hmm. And to present to them, so in in terms that they would understand it. So right. no Very more true. rounding down. I just round it up, <laughs> way up. <laughs> well, it's an interesting aspect because in Vermont, um, so many of our business owners, and it's true in every state, are solo entrepreneurs. They're self-employed people, and they do tend to think, um, well, it's natural, right? Right. That I don't. I want to grow at my own pace, and I don't want to get too big. Um, that's your initial thought because, you know. You get overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and so it's, nat- it's natural. So with the advisor, they kind of help you see logically how you can progress and at a pace that will work for you where you won't uh, accept more business than you can right. reasonably do and you won't run out of money <laughs> as you grow. So that's a delicate process because yeah. you get so excited with the new business coming in that you don't want to turn any business away. And so it's a very delicate time for a, a newer growing business. That's great. Kind of, well, yeah. I've had some people on this show, the Barrier Area Development Corp, mm-hmm. the uh, downtown development. There's like one or two people. And yeah. they came in here with a laundry list of what they do. And so it's good. two people. Right. I'm like, oh, my, I'm exhausted thinking about it. <laughs> Nap are, time. Right. And that's the thing. There's so many resources. Um, you know, ours is a federal program. But most cities and towns, like right. the town manager, um, knows a lot. The, 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 the town clerks know right, a lot. Right. Um, everybody knows a lot of different other resources. Right. So, um, you know, you'd be surprised what right. somebody can help you get connected yeah. to. I just wish our legislature would understand. I'm sure they're going to say they do, but they don't realize what that margin is on these businesses. There's, it's very tiny. 
it's it's not like they're going to get to be millionaires anytime soon. Well, they're working right. for the love of working and and owning their own business. Yeah, I mean that's that's our job to try to help them be more um, successful and profitable. Right. But you're right. A lot of the self-employed, we do a um, a state profile under our office of advocacy. Ah. And in Vermont, and it's probably true in most states, self-employed like the median income is only like twenty thousand dollars. Wow. So you know. We want them to be able to make enough to support their family, right? Um, you know, have a have a good standard of living. So, I think if there is anything, we'd like to help them be more aspirational to maybe something that works like a little bit yeah. better for them. But they're so industrious; they do two and three and four businesses, right? So right. you know, sometimes it's yeah. hard. How do you have any idea, or does anybody have any idea, how many businesses we lost during COVID? Because I know there's some empty stores around. Yeah, they do track it, but there's a bit of a lag. Um, oh. So I don't know if we have in the Current. COVID oh, I see. Uh, thing, right. but they do show the <laughs> number of business entrants and exits in Vermont, um, and you can get that on our website. Oh, okay. I'll go. Yeah. I, I'm just curious how many, because... Um, I'm sure it was a net loss for yeah. COVID. For yeah, sure. I'm but sure. A lot of people did start a business in COVID. Yeah, and they had some <laughs> restaurants in Barry that opened mm-hmm. up smack in the middle, of, and they're doing they great. Yep. I'm like, good for them. Yeah, I think it was kind of necessities, a mother of invention for yeah. some folks. So. Well, I think what, what the feds did for restaurants, and I don't know whether that was the state idea, to give restaurants money to make food for people in need. That's I mean, what program. what yeah. a concept. Yeah. And it's ending soon, I, I hear. That I, was really helpful. Yeah. We're working with one um, business that's um, a Nepali restaurant, and they started during covid <laughs> So obviously it was hard to, you know, expand their clientele. Right, right. And um, so they, they did that. It was Everybody Eats, I think it was called. Is that, yes, I think you're right, really, right. Really, I, what really I, I don't know who thought yeah. that, but kudos to them. I know. I, I mean, everybody wins in that deal. You And the, the homeless person or the person is getting good food. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then the restaurant survives. So how cool is that? I was talking to Marcy about these nine spoke organizations. And one of them... It's the Vermont Professionals of Color Network, which I had not heard about, but I did some research, and uh, Darcy's going to talk to us about that. I did reach out to their – he actually is chairman of the board, uh, but I reached out to Tino and asked him to come on the show because I thought it just sounded fascinating what they Absolutely. did. Could you explain mm-hmm. yeah, what that I'm, group is? I'm probably the you know not the central person to tell <laughs> you, but I've had such an awesome experience with this group. Um, so Tino Rutanira, if I, I'm not sure yeah. if I'm pronouncing it right, and Weiwei Wang co-founded this um, volunteer uh, organization for um, Vermont professionals of color, kind of a workforce development thing and just an affinity group for people in Vermont um, to get together. And they do some social things. They do um, different kinds of, I think, financial literacy. Um, Great. They have, they're going to have a job fair coming up at the Flynn that's for BIPOC people. Um, and where we get involved as SBA is that they are one of the organizations that's part of our community navigator program. And with the money that came to their organization from that, I think, um, and the state also has funded them some this year. Um, of course, they would do a better job explaining all this than I can. But basically, I think they've been able to have more capacity right. to do what they truly want to do, um, which is to, you know, elevate and bring awareness um, to the BIPOC community 
um, in Vermont. That's so great. what we've had them do um, <coughs> recently um, with community navigators is they did listening sessions last year for the BIPOC community that are in business to talk about the gaps in accessing resources and what, you know, what were the issues and things like that. Like, like approaching a lender and, you know, having just not feeling comfortable right. in that kind of, you know, right. scenario, playing yeah. that through in your head. And well, thinking, putting yourself forward and selling you know, yourself is not an easy exactly, thing to do. Exactly. So yeah. it's just trying to bring awareness to the providers as well. Like, let's, you know, let's lean in and do things a little differently and have more awareness of just not following the old way of doing business and be much more attuned to what the needs of the BIPOC community are. So um, they did these listening sessions, and then Main Street Alliance, which is another partner in the group, did them for rural and um, rural businesses. So they're going to produce a report that will be public very soon. It's going to be very interesting. Oh, nice. And um, And now I really want them to come on the show. Right, yeah, so so that's going to be great. And then they just um, joined us on – we did a Black History Month event together – and it was called Lunch with Lenders, and it was trying to um, get, again, BIPOC community and a lot of the uh, new American community to come. We had African food for lunch, and we had alternative lenders and banks and credit unions. Told them, don't wear a suit. Um, you know, be approachable. Right. This is about having conversations, about getting to know this community. And so we had different tables with different languages, and we had cultural ambassadors that were able to translate. So different African languages and Spanish and French. And that. Nice. So that was really um, in Nepali um, also. So that, that was really exciting. And um, the Vermont Professional Color, I think, played a really important role in that, as well as um, the Champlain Valley Office of Economic Opportunity, which is another spoke. There's so many spokes. Yeah, right. um, they do just absolutely fantastic job. That's great. Um, I think if I remember correctly, because I read Tino's, that he works at dealer.com, which is one of my favorite businesses, and it is so funky to work there. <laughs> it is in a factory, and, and they've got the pipes painted yeah. different. It's just yeah. an amazing, yeah. and everybody's way younger than me in that place. <laughs> so that means they're very bright and very talented with IT and mm-hmm. all the things that dealer.com does. Yeah, they're <clears> a great company for yeah. the state. Well, you know what they do there, and other companies are starting to do that, I think, to, in order to attract people to Vermont, they offer uh, time off for skiing. They they do things that, that, the, that their employees like, and they support them going out. And, Good thinking. You know, yeah, no, it, it keeps them there. Snowboard, whatever they whatever they like. That's why they're here in Vermont, because of the snow and maybe the hunting in the fall. <clears throat> and uh, you should help them. That's the biggest um, challenge that we hear. We had 20 businesses in this other program, and that was their biggest concern was right. – um, finding the people to work for them. Yeah. They had so much opportunity that they couldn't go after yeah. due to the lack of workforce. Are you getting volunteers to do your professional um, uh, organization where people can help other people? I mean, are you getting, volunteer, are you getting volunteers yeah. to help? We've been getting a couple <clears throat> new recruits, Good. Yep, and but we're always looking for more, and we're looking at maybe a chapter down in the Brattleboro area right nice. now. It's very early. Um, I would encourage stage. any business that that wants to know how to market themselves, mm-hmm. uh, which is always hard for, for people to market, especially the nonprofits, um, because you don't want to spend money so much on something that's not tangible for your customers. But marketing's a trick 
and they've got professionals on score to to help you through that. They do. They've yeah. got yeah, great roster yeah. of people with a lot of experience. That's really good. That's a wonderful. Did you start that program, or is it a it, model that's been, been, been always? It's been an SBA program for a long, long time. I think it was actually the first one we had um, that was offering direct, you know, great. business advising. Yeah. So yes, it's all over the country, um, and you can actually get a counselor in another state. Like oh. you can go on their website and talk about what you're looking for. Like, right. Let's say you do um, chemical engineering yeah, or something, right. and maybe no one in Vermont has that specialty. You can find somebody um, in the country that would be a mentor in that industry. Back to Zoom. Yeah, for free. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, I think I think we're, Zoom and all the other like models are going to be with us forever. It's, it's not going away anytime no, soon. it's been really helpful to, yeah. to provide more access. Yeah. And, um, Mark had talked about the broadband, and I know, like, my, my sister's down in West Halifax, and, um, you know, they can't wait for, you know, <laughs> the yeah. developments because they, they got it under the new funding and everything. They have a separate communications unit. I forget what they're <coughs> called, but, I mean, it's Great. really going to be very important in that area. It's so rural. Um, you know, if you want to have a business, like, you're really right, challenged right. to Well, the to trouble is there's not so many people to make it profitable well, for the for the cable people, which is the problem. Yes. I remember we had a big argument in uh, struggling in Berlin because we have some people living way on the top of, uh, the, well, a mountain in, in Berlin. What is that? But anyway, the only people on the road, well, they were told a million times it's just not profitable because mm-hmm. you're it um, on top of the on top of this mountain road. And, and uh, it's just a struggle. So the last mile may be another couple of years away, I think. But rural is really an issue here. And you know what? We, I just heard something the other day, still separate from what we're talking about, but um, I forget who told me that it's a catch-22 You in housing. You can't afford the houses in Burlington, say, so you move way up to somewhere, Fairfax, and then you have to add the transportation back to Burlington to your job. So you can't win for losing. Because you can't get there from here, so you're, you can afford the house, but then you have to spend money to get to work. Right. It's I, just like a vicious cycle. So, I mean, I know the state's working on, you know, with the money that came in from ARPA, and then there's the Infrastructure right. Act and the Inflation Reduction Act. So there's more funding coming yeah. in. The state's looking at those priorities. I know they've talked about that um, really? being, you know, obviously a critical priority yeah, at the affordable housing. Do, do you help um, people find locations and stuff in your small business? Are Our bi- advisors do work do with they? them, and they definitely get into, like, the leases. They yeah. look those over. They're not lawyers, um, but we do have, you know, some legal assistance yeah. as well. Um, but they absolutely look at that before someone commits to it. Right, to make, to make sure, sure they don't... Uh, they're, they're, yeah, they're doing yeah. something that's going to work yeah, out. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. because once you make that commitment, you're sure hoping you're successful. Well, right, and that's what happened to the, the bridal shop owner that Mark talked about. Right. Um, and she's a lovely lady from Moldova, um, and oh. she's a U.S. citizen now, and just has such a, a great love for our country. And so somehow she got located in the mall in downtown Burlington, and we all know what happened. It's now a big pit, right? Right. So she got, uh, she had to, like, let people in. I think it's a high school, wasn't it, it was a very, high school? Well, that was amazing. It, it, it was really challenging for her. She was, like, the last business in there. Yeah. Um, but she had a lease. Yeah. So anyway, good news is she was able to relocate to a brand new building yeah. um, across from where um, 
I don't know if I can mention the two businesses on Shelburne Road, but it's in a brand new building Great. there. And she had it all, you know, redone. It's absolutely beautiful. That's nice. And like she's got thoughts of more expansion to another yeah. location. And so, you know, with the help of an advisor, she worked right. with our Women's Business Center. And it's, you know, when you have those moments where, you know, you feel isolated and, you know, she didn't know where she was going to go. She was given very little notice yep. and she had to move her whole well, business. Well, I, I hate to tell you, but I worked in um, off Church Street for years and I go to that mall and there was hardly, at lunchtime, there would never be anybody there. And I'm like, yeah. what is, there's thousands of people on Church Street, I but know. not in the mall. <laughs> it was very strange. Why, speaking of marketing, why they couldn't attract people just to come in. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I guess. Hopefully the new project, yeah. whatever. Yeah, the, exactly. It's going to work out. Yeah, well, it got to be a high school. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what's, what's the biggest challenge? Is it finding funding? Financing is the biggest challenge for small businesses? Well, finding their workers right now is really ah, a big of deal. course. Um, that's a really big impediment to yeah. growth. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. Employee retention is a really right. major. Right. But always funding is, is an issue. Yeah. Um, but after COVID, some people took on, you know, debt to kind of survive COVID. So, you know, they might not be looking for new capital, but then right. other businesses are definitely. So that's where that's a real sweet spot where we work with people in color office. Tell us where you're at, and right. we can refer you to a lot of different types of lenders, not just you know banks and credit unions, but also right. Right. some nonprofit mission lenders. Yeah, and there are quite a few of them around. Uh, that's great. Darcy, I can't thank you enough for coming on board thank today. You. It was a pleasure to meet Mark. I I hope his trip is successful. He certainly has the energy. You know, they're yeah. driving to Maine, and they don't have any boots, and <laughs> hardly had a coat, and I'm like, here's a snow brush. Yeah. It's in your <laughs> rental car. Well, well fortunately, <laughs> but snow is, I, seriously, I can drive in snow. Uh, ice is another story. We seem to be getting a lot more ice these days than we used to. Anyway, this is Pat McDonald. Um encouraging you to tune in on Thursday to my Bitcoin, Ethan Frost, and I'm also talking to uh, Rural Development about something that's happening in Northfield. So I think you will like the show a lot, especially all the research I did on Bitcoin, so you've got to pay attention. Anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV.